Hello everyone and welcome to this week's episode of Social Work Radio with me, your host Vince Piggott. Once again and always we are joined by our co-host Tilly Baden. Tilly my friend, how the devil are you? How have things been in the two weeks since you were last aboard the good ship SWR? Hello everyone. Oh, I missed you last week. It was um it was a bit weird not recording a podcast, although I did enjoy for once being able to listen back to a podcast and seeing you and Matt deliver it. So that was amazing. It was it was nice to um have that change because I can never listen to our podcast back because I hate hearing the sound of my own voice. Um so it's quite nice to be able to actually listen to a podcast for a change. But yeah, things have been quite busy for me. I've just got back from Zurich. I went to Switzerland for the weekend, um, crammed quite a lot into a weekend, but went to see the Rhine waterfalls, um, some little picturesque villages in the middle of Switzerland, um, went on a city tour, a boat tour, and then to my favourite, the Lindt Chocolate Factory. Oh my which, God. Oh, it was incredible they give you unlimited samples so you get to um taste all of the liquid um chocolate melted chocolate um of all different flavors and then they have these machines where you wave your hand underneath and chunks of chocolate fall out and you just get as much as you like so i was a very happy bunny and spent almost 50 pounds on chocolate which I thought was quite a lot of money but then my team said actually for me I did quite well at not buying more than that and I did bring my team some chocolates back so they're very happy too um but yeah it's been it's been good although I'm very tired now because I'm working in the office all of this week and last week so what a hardship what a hardship I know I know I'm having, how are you coping having... you're all right how, how are you coping <laughs> with your brand new car driving to that fancy office every day how are you handling it it's hard getting up oh, oh. you know me Vince I'm not a morning person oh I'm really, I tell you really my heart is breaking for oh you. I know get my the little violins breaking. out <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, it's it's been tiring, and um, my flight didn't get my flight was delayed on the way home, so it didn't get back home till. Where would you fly into in Bournemouth? No Heathrow, so I had sort of a three-hour drive on the way back, but it was fine. It was worth it. Um, had a great weekend, so yeah, it's been very busy but good. So, Tilly, how have you been? Oh, well, the most important thing to say is now we are Facebook friends. I can actually <gasps> see our listeners oh. will not. Have- Heard no, the conclusion to this story. Yeah, so as many of the listeners might remember, one of mm. our previous video podcasts that we did, yeah. Vince and I had a bit of an argument <laughs> that um, was, was aired on the podcast but went on for a considerable amount of time off air about Vince not accepting me as a Facebook friend. But unbeknownst to me, Vince had changed his mind and I suddenly got a ping the other day with a Facebook request from Vince Peart himself. So we are now, I should have left you hanging for a while. You should have, that's <laughs> how they <laughs> do. Yeah, I was expecting you to. I was, I would, and, and not only did I, I add you on Facebook, but uh, I got I got two for the price of one. I got your mother as well. You did, yeah. She messaged me after you'd added me and said, is it okay for me to accept Vince's ah. friend's request? <laughs> I said, you're an adult, you can do what you like. But yeah, mm. she's um, so you're friends with us both and our yeah. other social work news colleagues. So you have yeah, yeah. finally seen sense and added social workers to your I'm Facebook. softening. I'm softening you my are. old age. Yeah, yeah the it's the age getting to you. 
the age getting to me. I'm softening. I'm becoming kinder. Um, so yeah, it's been the main news. Um, apart from that, it's been a, been a couple of good weeks. As I say, we were off last week. I recorded with uh, Matt B, my old friend Matt B. Uh, Matt B is is my oldest media friend in social work. Uh, I've known Matt for wow seven years now. Yeah, we st- first uh, started talking early early twenty sixteen. Me and him um, used to write for uh, another social work publication that we shall not name. It which shall not be named. Um, yeah, it was it was great to catch up with him. He's hopefully going to do some more regular ones, filling in the gaps, Tilly, whilst you're uh, gallivanting around the world in your 30th year. Uh, so, yeah, that was good. I uh, went, to a, went to a comedy gig with my best friend Jason the other week, and... I think social work has turned me walk. Oh, really? Okay. Well, I, I mean, I can see why, but, but tell me more. I mean, I use work, walk there, Listis. You know, not in an offensive sense. I'm proud to be walk. You know, I think, I think a, a lot of the things that people call walk, I'm like, yeah, yeah. And that is, isn't that That's a good thing? That's just decency. Like, it's just, just a strange thing to accuse people of. I'm going to accuse you of caring about people you haven't met yet. Yeah, oh, I, I know. Such I, an insult. Horrible. Bleeding <laughs> like from the wound. Oh, God, God, don't say anything <laughs> worse. Um, well, in that case, I'm also going to accuse you of uh, standing up for people of different races, cultures, beliefs, and sexual preferences. Um, yeah, I again. couldn't be more offended. Oh, my goodness um, me. <laughs> but, yeah, so I went, I went to a comedy gig, and um, it's the first time I've been to a comedy gig, and everyone else was laughing apart from me. And it was kind of a spur of the moment thing. You know, Jason just messaged me on a Friday, do you fancy going to a gig? And I thought, um, I'll take him out on a date. I'll take him out on a date. This is right, I found something. I'm not telling you where you're going. Get dressed up, I'll pick you up at half five. And my lady friend was a bit jealous because she thought, she said, that sounds like a date, Vince. And I was like, tell me why it's a date. And she says, okay, it's a Friday night. Yep, date night. Okay, I accept that. She says, you have arranged a surprise treat for your mate. And I was like, yeah, I get that. She says, you've told him to get dressed up and you'll be there to pick him up. And you're picking him up. Yep, I get that. And she says, then you're whisking him off on a mystery night out that you're paying for. And I was like, yeah, does kind of sound like a date, doesn't it, Tilly? <laughs> I mean, if I didn't know you and I didn't know Jason, that would sound very much like a date. Yep. And then we parked up at a lay-by and made out. Uh, oh, oh well, that was a happy ending to a date then. <laughs> <laughs> no, we didn't. We didn't. The last bit is the last bit is false. But yeah, so yeah, I had a, I had a mate date, and I went to this comedy gig, and I just I just wasn't part of it. I thought this isn't for me. This isn't for me. This kind of humour, that kind. It was like a. I won't mention the comedian. He's very well known. Many people might like him. He's a very popular, famous comedian. But the jokes were just all about how good it is to take drugs and get off your head. Literally 90% of his jokes were, isn't it funny taking cocaine? And I was thinking, no, I, no. <laughs> I, I mean, I've never done it, but you know, not from personal experience, but from professional experience, I see firsthand the ravages that drugs have upon vulnerable people and communities. And I think it's a very, very damaging and toxic narrative 
to be putting out jokes to people that can afford to take drugs recreationally and to put out jokes and make it seem like it's all a laugh and not to understand. Well, actually, the reason why there's a knife crime epidemic in this country is because of drugs. That's drug dealers that spark that. That's people fighting over turf. The reason why so many people face muggings and robins and stabbing in the community for the sake of stealing a mobile phone or a wallet off them is because of drugs. The reason why there are so many children in care isn't exclusively because of drugs, but drugs play a significant factor. Same with domestic violence, same with mental health problems. And it's just on, on look, the tip of the iceberg is ha ha, isn't it funny when you take cocaine and have a jolly good laugh? And that's what everyone was laughing about, but they just didn't have the same insight that I do. So yeah, it was a sobering experience. Obviously I was sober, I don't drink or take drugs. Um, it was a sobering experience to be in that room with 2000 people and to think, I'm not really part of this. And I find it very distasteful. First time I've ever sort of done that. With I've seen, obviously there's things that I read and there's things that I see and there's certainly things that I've seen online all the time that I find a bit distasteful and offensive. But that was the first time where I'd actually paid to go somewhere and do something. And I thought, this just isn't me. I wish I hadn't done this. Have you ever had that feeling before? Yeah, it's normally around sexist jokes or derogatory yes. or making yeah. jokes about disabled people or people from different races or cultures. It's just it's just distasteful. There are so it many is. funny things in the world. You don't have to stoop so low as to put other people down or to glorify drugs and violence. Well, I'd been to see Ricky Gervais. My lady friend had taken me to see Ricky Gervais for my birthday at the start of October. And look, he says some things. He talks about like woke culture and things like that, but he does it in an ironic way. You know, he genuinely doesn't believe these things. He does it to poke fun at those beliefs and it's clever. It's not about look what I've done and look what I've seen. He does it in a societal manner. So some of the things could be deemed defensive by people, but he does it in a self-knowing way. And Ricky Gervais's humor is essentially, I know that I'm saying the worst thing. You shouldn't be laughing at this, but I'm going to say this thing because it's challenging. And that's irony. That, that's that's mm. the irony. But yeah, um, so it was an interesting, an interesting experience I had. I uh, didn't make out with my friend in the car, though, just to be very clear, listeners. And uh, to be clear to my friends and family that are listening, you know, that didn't happen. Right, moving on. Uh, we've got no reviews this week. Boo-hoo, how sad. Listeners, send in your reviews. Send in them via iTunes or anywhere else you get your reviews, and we will read them out next week. Right, should we get on and do this week's topic, Tilly? Yeah, I'm excited about this one. Positive news story. Well, not really news story, but we will go with it. Positive story for social work this week. Yeah. Topic this week is 10 things I love about social work. And, and as, as often is the case with our podcast, it comes off the back of a couple of articles that we've done. So if you guys want to head over to mysocialworknews.com, this Monday's opinion column, every Monday, myself, Tilly and Matt, all voices that you've heard and all people that you've listened to over the course of the past week and a half. Uh, we do our Monday opinion column. And this week's was, do you genuinely like being a social worker? Me, Tilly and Matt all gave our views on, do we like being a social worker? And I think the answer was a resounding yes, was it not, Tilly? <laughs> yeah, I don't think we'd be doing this if we didn't enjoy yeah, social work. Pretty. Why would we do more things about social work and write a podcast about it if we didn't enjoy it? Of course, we love our jobs. Yeah, that is a very fair point. The proof of the pudding's in the eating. 
Um, so then was another article, and that was out on Tuesday, um, which was a feature, 10 things we all love about social work, but are afraid to admit. So I got to take a mixture of those two articles and kind of use them as the basis for the topic today on this podcast. And we've had a bit of a heavy ones recently. We've talked about murder and strife and stress and, you know, stuff. Terrible things, you know, all the ills of society, but we must do those things and we have to talk about those things because they matter and they are things we face on a daily basis in the line of duty. But we have to balance the rough with the smooth and today it's as smooth as those chocolates you were gorging on over last week. And that I've got a packet on my desk oh, next to me oh, and looking at me as, but I can't eat obviously eat, eat me. Whilst, whilst I'm recording the podcast or you hear some muff rustling of sweet wrappers but no i will just look at them and i'll maybe give you a five second warning when i go on a monologue just enough time to waffle down. <laughs> swallow in okay. one like a tablet just just gulp it down <laughs> down the hatch yeah <laughs> yeah 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 um so guys let's crack on um tell you i'm going to ask you the first question people who've read the article over at mysocialworknews.com will have heard this but those who haven't will have read this should i say but for those who haven't do you genuinely love being a social worker? And if so, why? Yes, absolutely. I genuinely do love my job quite in a geeky way a lot of the time. Um, I know sometimes some of my colleagues in a, in a jokingly lovely, loving sort of way make fun of me and say like, oh gosh, you really are committed to social work. It's a little bit sad sometimes with how much I love my job. Um, to the point where recently, well, uh, end of last week, I got to go out on a visit during my day job, which was so exciting because I don't get to go out and about that much as my man when I've got my manager's hat on because that's mostly office space. But um, I went out on a visit and I was buzzing with excitement. I was literally skipping down the office. Um, I was just so excited. I, I love it. I love going out and meeting people. I love putting my values and skills and knowledge to the test and getting challenged um, and having to really think about complex situations. It's what sparks my interest and I just love doing it. It's why I keep doing it and why I will probably continue to do it throughout the rest of my career. You think that'll be it for you? I think you'll so. Always be that way. You think you'll never lose it? Because the reason I ask this, and look, I'm not being cynical, I'm not naming names in person, but Everyone comes into social work with that same ideal and everyone I've ever known who moves up the management line is, I'll not lose touch with the front line. Do you think it's actually possible to continue to do that as you move further up? I think it is as long as you stay grounded within practice. So mm. I will still go out and do specialist assessments when I'm needed to. Um, I still very much get involved, probably sometimes too involved um in in tricky cases um and i do my private work as well so i yes. still go out and do deprivation of liberty safeguards assessments specialist capacity assessments so i'm going out and meeting people every week i'm still doing the day job so keeps you sharp I, doesn't it, it 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 does and i can tell if i'm losing my social work skills so recently for example i had to go out on a visit that it was an unannounced visit, which I haven't done for a very, very long yeah, time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That'd be a blast for the <laughs> past. I know, I know. And it was a really contentious issue. And, and I, I met with some hostility and not, it wasn't aggression, but it, it, people were quite 
had emo- heightened emotions. And do you know what? Because I haven't faced that in quite a long time because most of my work is planned and people want me yeah, to go yeah, in. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's very regimented independent it, social work. It's very regimented. It is, yeah. And it, it really refreshed my skills actually because I thought oh uh, this is what I used to deal with on a day-to-day basis I haven't done it for a while but they're all still there and it all came back to me and then it made me realize why I actually love doing planned work and where it's nice when people want you in their home Um, but it's important that you still occasionally get to go out on those contentious visits because you do lose your skills if you don't Mm. use them yeah you do um what about you I, yeah, look, I love my job. You know, um, it'd be a pretty poor do if we did what I did and didn't love my job. The <laughs> fact that, you know, I am a social worker and I write about social work and I'm the content editor for a magazine about social work and I podcast about social work and I run the largest social media page for social workers in the world, in the social work world. So, yeah. Um, I, I do. I, I, I love my job. I love everything about it. I'm incredibly, incredibly grateful that I became a social worker. Um, I lacked purpose for a lot of my teenage years and for my early adulthood. And I found social work and it gave me a great guide and light for my life. I thought, finally, I can tell people what I am. You know, I used to, people ask me, what, what do you do? And I, you know, I, I used to say, well, I work here. I used to say, oh, well, I work in a pub. You know, I work at a factory. I work with my dad on the coal wagon. I work as a builder. Um, I work in a bar. I used to say what I, where I worked. I was, able to, I was never able to say I am. And now people say, what do you do? I say, I am a social worker. I'm also a content editor for Social Work News. I also run a podcast. I also moderate a Facebook page, um, Social Work World. So social work's given me a purpose. It's made me a better person. It has given me friendship uh, like yourself and Matt and Millie and Ashley and Karen and Cara and Nick and other people that I've worked with on the podcast and in my writing along the way. Um, uh, I, I've met a lot of wonderful people and my life is better both personally and professionally insurmountably so because I'm a social worker um it's made me a better person it's filled my heart nourished my spirit nurtured my soul I could not think of anything better to spend my working life doing I feel incredibly grateful for my job I have difficult times much the same as anybody else but I have never for one second regretted my decision to become a social worker and Tilly, given how much I regret everything in life, most things in life, <laughs> and given how usually my fascinations only last for a week or two, you've heard many of them on these podcasts, many more off the podcast. It is very telling that I'm now in my 11th year as a social worker. I never want to do anything else. Yeah. I mean, you never stick to many things at all. So the fact that you stick to social work says it all, really. Um, yeah, that makes, no, that, I'll take that back. That makes you sound fickle but which you're not at all it's only the silly fads that you yeah, fascinations well, you were gonna get a tattoo at one point and yeah all sorts tattoo, golfing camper van all sorts all sorts right is there anything else you could ever see yourself doing i said there, there's nothing else i could see myself doing is there anything else you could ever see yourself doing Tony? is there anything that would turn you away from social work you know does a toxic narrative toxic reporting 
poor culture ever diminish your love for social work? No, it doesn't. Um, I think I'm over the hump, um, mm, which yes, everyone yes. has to get through. Um, I know not everyone experiences, but a huge number of social workers experience this, where normally around years two, three, four, people start getting quite disillusioned with social work practice. And if you can get through that really difficult period, most people then are okay and can stick it through. I could see myself doing things linked to social work. Um, like there are other maybe charitable things that I would do or work in not profit services, but it would all ser- like just center around human rights, advocacy, social justice, those sorts of things. I would still be using my social work job title. I want to keep my registration going for the remainder of my working life. So although I might not work for a local authority for the rest of my life, um, I, I will be in linked to social work in some way or another. Yeah, I think I think we have to take in mind that there there are some times when your body and mind just can't handle social work. Um, that can be age can make it more difficult. It can also be personal circumstances. You know, certain aspects of social work take more out of you than others. Is that fair to say? Oh, definitely. Yes, and I could it- not have stayed within child protection social work. Exactly. I would have burnt out well I did burn out after a year it just wasn't for me um and if you have any health issues mental health issues if you have care and responsibilities for elderly relatives or partners or children you don't almost have the capacity to give that some jobs in social work necessitate is that fair to say yeah of course it is so I think yeah there will come times when we can shift but so kind of, I'm, I'm not going to spoil any of my answers later, so I better, I better be quiet there. But I was going to say that's one of the beauties of social work. <laughs> um, right. So the main body of today's show is a bit of a mystery. This me and Tilly haven't told each other. We may be saying the same things, so yeah, but we'll 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 still do it anyway. Um, guys, what we're going to do now, me and Tilly's having a bit of a game. Uh, we've both listed down five things that we love in social work. Hence the topic, guys. Hence the fact. Five plus five, some quick math sets. Ten things that we love about social work. Um, we're going to take it in turns to go first. As always, Tilly, it's ladies first here. Uh, bit of an old-fashioned institution around these parts. I've just talking about not. Be, I've just spoken about being woke, and I'm doing a, a very non-woke thing by saying, "Well, actually, ladies first. So here we go, Tilly, uh, and a hark back to my uh, old-fashioned ways. Ladies first. Give me the first of your five things that you love about social work, and give me two or three minutes explaining why that is so. Okay, so my first one is that we get to uphold human rights. And this I've done this one first because for me, this is the most important thing. The fact that social workers get to uphold social justice, promote human rights and that sense of autonomy and liberty is just incredibly inspiring and powerful and joyful and just something that I absolutely love doing every single day. Um, I don't think there's really that much more I can say about that other than the fact that without social workers and without these fundamental human rights, society would be a very disastrous and and sad and sorrowful place. Um, So that is just the, the reason why I get up every day is to do this sort of work. 
Did you have that in you as a person before you came as a social worker? Obviously, you know, you started trading when you were as a social worker when you were still a teenager. But did you have that within you anyway? Obviously, it might not have manifested itself. It might not have shown itself in the same way that it does now. But have you always had something in you that made you want to stand up for other people's rights? Or is that something you discovered and found a love for during the course of your training and subsequent practice? No, it's something that's always been mm. within me. I can remember from as, like some of my earliest memories. Um, I remember seeing um, a homeless person on the street probably when I was about four or five and being absolutely shocked that someone didn't have their own home and I was desperate yeah. to try and get them food and find them a place to live. Um, it just, it shocked me to the core, even at that really young age. And yeah. things like that have just kept going throughout the years no matter who someone is no matter what they've done I've always had those real sense of those those human rights so being very um against the death penalty or um any inhumane or degrading treatment that some people experience making sure that that people are treated equally and fairly and mm. they're not discriminated against all of those things have predated social work and i just suppose now as a social worker i get to do something about it you have found your home and you have found your tribe then i have indeed that's a very good way to describe it um, so vince what's your first one then the clients that we get to support that we get to work with i i am so grateful the fact that i get to work with people I get to work with people. You know, I've done jobs when I was younger. I, I worked in a chicken factory and I, when I was 16. I stacked crates of chicken all day long for £3.20 an hour. I've seen what it's like when you do lots of other jobs, lots of other jobs. Obviously, you work alongside people, but the, the product of your work isn't human beings. It isn't enriching lives. It isn't helping people. It isn't saving lives. It isn't supporting people and advocating for them. But the fact that I get to meet so many people and so many varied people and I get to go into the private lives and private homes of people and I get intimate access to, to people at their best and worst. You know, I will sit down with people and they will tell me things. They've never told a soul. I will have their medical records, their police records, their educational records, full court bundles over a thousand pages long sometimes. I will see every aspect of people's lives and it, it is never lost on me just what a rare and beautiful privilege that is. And I learn so much from the people that I, I support and that I work alongside the clients that I help. I really do, you know, so much of my personal life outside of work is enriched by the stories and the experiences, the knowledge and the learning that I gain from sitting down with people and simply talking to them. And you know what it's like, Tilly, you don't always talk about just, you know, bad things. Of course you don't, you know, you'll sometimes sit down with people, they'll talk about what they're like, what they've been up to at the weekend, what their hobbies are. You'll find a mutual interest that you can, you know, Carl Rogers would say communication is like a bridge between two people and you try and develop that bridge. And I'm a great believer that it's important as social workers that we show some vulnerability at times, that we show some aspects of personal lives in order to try and bridge that gap between us and create the bridge, as, uh, as Rogers would tell us. And I just learned so much from the people I support. Like the amount of times I've been working 
with a family of children and they've, they've mentioned a cartoon or a toy and I've gone home and I've introduced that to my children or I've bought that toy for them. Or like I've seen something in the client's home and I'm thinking my son or daughter would love that and I've gone back and got it. Just those are little moments, but they kind of stick out because those aspects of my personal life that were enriched by the clients that I support, I could not differentiate them from me. And I feel that if you were to take out every little shred of me that is based upon what I've learned from a client, what I've seen from a client, or how I've bettered myself because of the stories of the people I've supported, I don't think I'd be half the man that I am now. Yeah. Wow. That's a really powerful thing, but so true. And I think that's what hopefully most social workers would say the same thing. I'm, I'm, I am grateful. Eve, even the most dangerous and difficult people on paper, I've always found something. You can always find an aspect of someone's character that you can find beautiful and seize onto and build with. And I'm very, very grateful that people recognize that, you know, people who instruct me, whether it's solicitors, local authorities, private individuals, as guardians, um, that I'm, I'm, I'm proud of the fact that my effort to always engage with people in a person-centered manner and to always work with people that other people have written off, um, I'm really proud that that's recognized and it's probably the aspect of my work, that person-centered practice and always engaging with people and always finding the human behind the problem. Um, I'm very, very proud that that is quite often recognized in my work. Right, Tilly, uh, number two for you. Give me the second thing that you love about being a social worker. Well, surprise, surprise. It's very si similar to what you've just said. Um, my second one on my list is hearing other people's stories and learning mm -hmm. from them. Um, pretty much could say word for word what you've just said. Um, but I suppose we work with different client groups. So for We do, me, we do. Um, I very rarely work with older people. Um, yeah. The only time I'll ever work with older people is if I'm assessing grandparents for special guardianship orders. But the, the, the average age of my clients is very similar age to me or younger, particularly if you include children. It's children and, and parents of, of, of children. So 90, 95% of the people that I work with are under the age of 50. Whereas yours will be the other way around, I imagine. It, yes, exactly. Um, I mean, I do work with some younger people, um, sort of age 16 upwards from when the Mental Capacity Act kicks in. But the majority of the people I work with are older adults, um, yeah. predominantly people with dementia. Yeah. And what I love um, about my job is hearing about people's stories because someone might be in an advanced dementia stage and can't remember what they've said two seconds ago or what you've said two seconds ago but they can tell you in detail about their childhood and past events and things that are important to them um, not everyone but you get to hear so many incredible stories um, I've worked with people that have been almost celebrities in their own right in their own worlds um mm. people that have made incredible achievements um in their personal and professional lives or people that have lived very insular um sort of solo lives and and that's great too you just get to work with so many different people and everyone has got a story to tell or many many stories to tell um and that's just so beautiful I love hearing about it. I'll always make time to listen to people. If someone just wants a chat, then 
that's part of my job. Um, I might be there to do an assessment or to do an interventional piece of work, but those human connections that we form are part of the intervention too. And I just am very privileged to hear these incredible stories and have them impact on my own life, just like you said, really. Again, has that changed you as a person? Oh, definitely. Um, It's made me appreciate things in my own life and realize the fragility of life and realize that sometimes things can be taken away from you in a split second and it just it's humbling and I think that's that's something that's that has changed me um I'm much more grateful for what I have um Mm. and I'm much more attuned to picking up on on times when people want to tell you more um because as you said sometimes yeah someone will make yeah a you get that yeah 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 good point good point yeah you you get to know that as a social worker I think that's a skill that you develop over time sometimes you can just see it it's it's on the edge of tip of someone's tongue that they just want to say a little bit more and just with the right guiding question or that that little bit of empathy that just gives them that bit of encouragement to speak then you can change someone's life from the interventions that you have. And equally, they change your life as well. Yeah, totally right. Um, my second choice is the friends that I've made um, through colleagues in the social work. You know, I mentioned, you know, the colleagues, you know, that I've met through sort of my media work in terms of podcasting, writing, like yourself, Nick, Millie Glass, Ashley Campbell, Maisie McDonald. Matt B, um, people I've worked with before that, like um, Carla, um, Carla, who I used to do the podcast with back in the day when my old podcast first launched. Um, um, Karen, who used to do the podcast with me as well. You know, there, there are many people who I have worked alongside in terms of my writing and podcasts, and that I'm very grateful that have gone on to become my personal friends that, you know, I'm still very good friends with to this day. In terms of colleagues that I've worked alongside, um, I have some of my very best friends, you know, in social work. You know, my oldest friend in social work, Louise, we started our first social work jobs on the very same day, almost 11 years ago now. And uh, I, I'm still in touch with it to this day. We still message each other every now and again. We've worked alongside each other again on various different occasions. You know, other people that I'm very good friends with, like, Andrea, Louisa, Rebecca, Anna, Brad. These are people that, you know, I'll go out drinking with and obviously appetizer for me. I used to go out drinking with, but you know, I've, I've met so many good people that have been my personal friends outside of social work through my job. I just wouldn't have met these people. Otherwise I wouldn't, I wouldn't have met them. Obviously you know, I've always got on with Lots of people. Basically, I feel like I've got to apologise here for all the hundreds of people that'll be that I'll, I've worked with that'll be listening to this. I'll be like, guys, I haven't got a list here. I'm, I'm just literally thinking of 10, 20 names off the top of my head. But um, I'm very, very grateful for the friends that I've made. I have made friends for life because of my job. And what's brilliant about making friends in social work, and you might feel this way, Tilly, and our listeners might feel this way, but I certainly do. What's brilliant about making friends through social work is you know you've already got a lot in common. You know you've got shared stories that you've got to get. You know that you've got to understand if you make plans for a night and someone's 
two hours late and it, they say it's because of the job, you know to bloody believe them because it's going to be correct. Because <laughs> that might be you next yes. time you're doing something. You know to believe them. You know they're probably going to have a dark sense of humour so you can laugh about things. Um, you know they're going to be good collections to get you work in future. And you know that they're going to be the kind of people because they work so hard, they're going to let their hair down and have a really good time. They're going to be like joyous and happy and have a good time. You also know they're going to be there for you. They're going to be there for you through thick and thin, and they're going to be a great sounding board, and they're going to offer excellent advice and excellent help because that's what social workers do. So I think if you make a friend in social work, you're already a couple of steps ahead because you know they're a good egg because they're a social worker. So the second thing I say I love about social work is the friends that I have made along the way. I love that. I wish I should have added that to my list. I mean, that oh, it's good that you haven't. It's good but, you haven't because yeah. we have them different, <laughs> right? I mean, our um, lists are probably very similar, but um, you know, that one wasn't on my list, but it should have been. Um, yeah, because I agree with everything that you've just said. So my third one then is being there for people who have no one else in the world. Um, so this comes up a lot working in adult services. We're often working with people that have no friends or family left at all, um, and they're completely unbefriended other than the people that are paid to support them. And I find that an incredibly sad thought when I have to work with, with, with people in this situation, but it's incredibly humbling and so rewarding as well. Um, humans are social beings um, we thrive when we connect with others and to know that there are some people out there that don't have anyone and who don't have anyone that to they can turn to or they might be experiencing loneliness or depression or just difficulties in life and it's an incredible privilege to be there for someone who has no one else um, it's difficult and it's a, not a nice aspect of social work because we'd like them to have plenty of friends and family and connections that they have. Um, but social workers are the safety net for those people. And we're always there for them um, when they've got no one else to turn to. So that's another aspect that I, I love about my job. Who turns to you, though, when you think about that? Because sometimes I think in those situations... <sighs> Do you ever do you ever feel the contrast that it's like, well, someone I'm there for someone else, but someone isn't there for me? Does that kind of make sense? Because I've I've known that with some social workers when they've been in times of crisis, not people that I've known personally, but people that have messaged me via my supervision column that I do every Friday. That's I spend my whole life helping people, but who's there to help the helpers? Does that kind of make sense? Do you, do you ever sense that juxtaposition and contrast? Yeah, yeah, I'm sure there are many people out there that that don't have solid relationships and don't have other people to turn to when they're in a crisis. Um, I think loneliness is, um, is an issue that affects everyone of any age. And even if you're surrounded by friends and family, you can still feel really lonely and still feel like you have no one that you can turn to. So that's something that, that can impact us all. I get that. I get that. Um, yeah. And it's up to us how we manage that, I suppose, isn't it? It is, yes. Right. My third thing is the flexibility. I've gone for a practical thing here. Um, look, there are many, many, many difficulties about social work in terms of how it works. Long hours, you know, the stress. We don't get paid what we should in terms of the demands that are upon our job. And 
we can often face vicarious trauma and burnout. That is part and parcel, you know. Just because I've escaped that so far, there but for the grace of God go I, it could be easily me. I've known many social workers who've been far better social workers and far stronger than me who've suffered like that. So I am not I am not going to sit here and say that won't be me or I've got some sort of magic solution. But with that, we also have to accept the benefits of our line of work. And I think social work is incredibly flexible. If you get the right position in social work, then I think it can be very, very flexible about your personal life, especially since COVID and the move to home working. I know social workers that were going to leave their jobs forever and then suddenly decided, oh, well, actually, I'm going to stay because now that we're all home working, I can take my kids to school. I can pick my kids up at the end of the day. I can fit my visits around my friends and family's demands. And I think the flexibility is really, really good. Most social workers I know work some sort of condensed working, whether it's um, four days a week, three days a week, sometimes eight days over 10, sometimes nine days over 10, seven days over 10. I know lots of social workers who can take flexi time as in well. Every good manager I know in social work, and I'm sure you're the same, Telly, but every single good manager I know in social work has always said to me, Vince, as long as you get the work done, as long as you do what's expected of you, I'm happy for you to manage your own diary. If you need to take an hour off here and there, a half day off here and there, as long as the work's done, as long as the clients are being seen, as long as the everything's in online, as long as you are ready and available and you get someone to cover you, if you can work with a buddy and get duty to cover you when you're not going to be in the office and not going to be contactable, as long as the work is done, I don't care how you do it. I think yep. any good manager does that. And when good managers do that, we have a great deal of flexibility in social work. And I don't think there are many jobs outside of being a self-employed entrepreneur that offer you the same degree of flexibility that social work can. Yeah, I agree with everything you've just said. And yes, I definitely treat my um, colleagues with the same principles that you've just said there. That's what you it's, should it's do. just basic management skills really it's i don't understand why some people are against that but anyway, well it's micromanagers are against it who've got certain mm. you, you can't micromanage in social work there are too many moving chess pieces on the board to micromanage in social work it just isn't possible because you can't you can't mitigate for the chaos that our clients often find themselves in you simply can't you can't micromanage crisis you simply can't no and I don't know how those managers have the time. I can barely have yeah. time to get through my own tasks, let alone checking on what everyone else is doing. So. I could go on a rant about the correlation. <laughs> I could go on a rant about the correlation between micromanagers and also people who don't sleep and fuel themselves on coffee and are very grouchy and angry because they don't sleep. But I'm not going to do that. Let's leave it there. <laughs> Dilly, give me, your, uh, give me a fourth thing you really love about being a social worker. Well, my fourth one is also a practical one. Um, slightly different, though. It's job security. Oh, um, <laughs> that's my fourth one as well. You have not. Oh, you have no. Not. You I literally. Promise, listeners, we did oh, not wow. compare notes. Look, we've, we've done I knew well. this was going to happen. I knew You've it done well to get it to four. But right, you shoot on. Yeah. You crack on and I'll try my best to fill in the gaps. Yeah, you or you think of another one quickly. Oh, right. Okay, I will. <laughs> um, so, yeah, job security. Um, I suppose this really came to um, a head during COVID when so many um, other professions or people in other jobs and types of employment were furloughed or lost their jobs 
or were unable to work. But social work is, well, the demand is well exceeding the supply. And yeah. I don't see how <clears throat> supply is going to get filled up anytime soon. Um, there are so many jobs out there um, that it gives us a great sense of security because we we are key workers. We, it, that's shown through the pandemic. We, we have to carry on doing our jobs. We've got vulnerable people that need to be supported. So we just have to... We, we, we need to sort of recognize that, I think. And I don't think that all social workers do necessarily recognize that. For our, our friends that are in private businesses or other sectors, they can have huge amounts of uncertainty yes. around their working lives. But we don't have that. Um, certainly, if you're working for either the local authority or the NHS or a health service, um, you're, you're pretty much secure in your job because okay there might be restructures and reshuffles but ultimately there's still way more work than any of us can do um so they can't do away with us unless we're all replaced by robots which um is a discussion you believe we are another day yeah. i know I've, i, I, I saw your controversial then. opinion of the week you believe that ai are going to replace us all I know, but as far as possible, I mean, social work is, is as secure as you can get. And for that, yeah. I'm very grateful. I'm not going to change my until I'm going to, I'm going to stick the course. And I'm simply going Go to on then. That. I, I just simply going to add that I fully agree with you. You know, for me, I'm very, very lucky and I've never been out of work in social work. Um, there's been a couple of times when a, a short-term contract has come to an end and I've had to find a job, you know, within like about four weeks of knowing the contract was coming to an end. I've always found a job. I've always found a job straight away. I have, I've only been interviewed for one social work job that I didn't get. And that was my very first interview as a social worker. I didn't get it. Oh, I really dear. didn't get it. I didn't get it. I went for an interview of Sunderland. I ended up working for Sunderland twice. I went back twice as an agency worker. But yeah, 11 years ago, I went for an interview with Sunderland Children's Services. And I didn't even get a call back. We had the first stage of the interview, which is like a group setting. And yeah. I, I never got a call back. I did go twice. I went back twice as a senior social worker, once for two years, then once again for another year. Um, so yeah, yeah, there's only one job that I haven't got and I'm very, very lucky. I mean, obviously now I'm independent. I love my independent work and it fits well around my family commitments. It fits well about obviously the podcast. It fits well about, you know, I'm able to balance that with my job as a content editor for social work news. But I know that if I ever needed to, um, given my experience, I'm very lucky. You know, I've been in social work a long time. I've got a lot of training. I've got a degree and a master's. You know, I've got a lot of experience. Um, I've done a lot. I've been a manager before. I've been a guardian for Kafkas before. So I know that I can always get a job. But with a 20% vacancy rate in my field within children's services, it's not just me. It's not just some of my level of experience and expertise and knowledge and qualifications. That is available to anyone who's who's decent or even semi-decent, let's be honest, you know. And or even has a workers. pulse. Well, yeah, okay. <laughs> I was going to say, there's, this, there's some social workers who are getting employed that, yeah, perhaps wouldn't have been when I started out. Um, when I first started out as a social worker, um, the recruitment crisis wasn't as difficult as it is now. That's not to offend anyone. It's just a fact. It's just a fact the bar was higher because there was more competition. But yes, job security, I fully agree with you. Right, don't pinch my fifth one or we're going to fall out. What is your fifth and final thing that you love about being a social worker? 
Well, fortunately, even despite the fact that you've just sent me a WhatsApp message whilst we're recording with a screenshot of what your next one is so that we don't say it, I wasn't going to say it anyway. My fifth one is the fact that we get to inspire others, um, other social workers, other professionals and the people that we're supporting to live better lives um i think so first of all that the, the social workers that we get to inspire um i think there's nothing more satisfactory than getting a student social worker or someone that's newly qualified or relatively inexperienced and changing their perspective of social work for the yes. better and yeah, sparking yeah, yeah. that joy within them and setting them on the right path so that they go on to become competent and confident social workers and watching them grow so now I've got um, people that I've supported as a student that's now um, gone on to be a, an experienced social worker I've got other people that I've supported that are now managers um, oh it's like watching my children grow um, <laughs> <laughs> that sounds a bit patronizing but no, it that's just true it doesn't, doesn't sound patronizing at all it's a good way of putting it it's a really good way yeah. of putting it that it just gives me the greatest satisfaction um and the same i don't know if i'm going out to a, a care home or care provider and i'm talking to someone and then able to spark that connection that they might not have thought of before give them another idea and they go on to then provide the best possible for support for someone or whether that's another health professional that suddenly gets it. So in my field, working with the Mental Capacity Act, and they're suddenly like, yes, I, I see how that legislation fits in, and I'm going to use this piece of legislation to uphold human rights and promote people's autonomy and liberty. And I understand now why that piece of legislation is there. It's not to give us extra work. It's to, do, it's to enable us to do what we're doing in the best possible way. Um, and and then the people that we're supporting as well, um, inspiring them to make those positive changes. And and I'm not going to take credit for um, doing the work because it's always the person that we're supporting that's that's doing the work themselves. Yes. But we can certainly help along the way by finding that motivation, that spark that's going to help them grip onto make those positive changes and help them along the way so that is that my fifth and final reason why i love being a social worker a very fitting and triumphant end my friend i fully agree excellent so let's hear your last one although i've now i've got some insider knowledge and know what it is yeah listeners i just i just <laughs> should i just showed tell you a, a shot of that one just so she's uh she's seen what it is just to prove that you know that number four was the same uh, just it's not only the fact it was the same it was the fact we both chose it as the fourth one as well as I, like, know. Wow, I know I know what, what, what a coincidence um great minds think alike indeed indeed <laughs> that, is, that is a fact that is the nicest thing anyone will say about me today the fact that people are comparing my mind to yours Tilly thank you ever so much um my fifth and final one is a bit of a selfish one here Social work's made me a better person, really has. I love the fact that social work has made me a better person and continues to make me a better person. People that I knew way before I became a social worker struggle, really struggle to see the changes that have happened in me. They, they treat me like the man that I used to be. And as such, they find it incredibly difficult to sometimes accept. No, I'm very different. That, that was me, and I don't deny that was me. 
But that was me when I was ignorant. I was ignorant to the world. I was selfish. I was self-centered. I had a difficult upbringing. Don't get me wrong. You know, I grew up in abject poverty. I grew up in a council estate. I grew up in a single parent background. Um, I grew up exposed to drugs, violence, domestic violence. I grew up in a very difficult situation in terms of my family dynamic. I, yeah, had lots of difficult things that happened to me. But on the flip side, I was still very sheltered. I was still very sheltered and for all the hardship of my childhood. I would never say it was a bad one because in the context of what I was living in, I didn't say anything bad in it. It's only through hindsight that I can retrospectively apply the labels of today to the things I experienced of yesterday. And I, I had reason to not, not be a, a very nice young man. And I wasn't a very nice young man at times. I was quite bitter and jealous and sort of angry at the way that things had turned out. And I perceived other people having things that I wanted. And I was very much of a mindset that, well, I haven't got the energy and will to build my own barn and no one built my barn for me. So I'm going to burn other people's barns down. That was the kind of metaphorical view that I took of the world. And that was waning as I became a social worker. And over time, obviously, it'd be very strange if I wanted to be a social worker with my, that mindset. But old habits die hard. And there were still aspects of my character from when I was younger and the damage that had been caused to me when I was younger and what I'd gone through that were still lingering and sometimes not making me a, a nice person at all times. And social work has helped me be a nicer person. It has helped me be a better person by the ideals that I have to live up to. I'm a social worker, so I could act this way. And it helps me to self-actualize and be the best version of myself because I want to be the man that my clients need me to be. I want to be the kind of upstanding person that means I uphold my professional values and to make sure that I don't do anything in my personal life that brings my profession into disrepute. And on that very, very rudimentary basis is you, you should be a good person because you're told to be, yeah, that, that really helped. But it's far more than that. It's far deeper. It's the people that I met who set a good example to me. It's the lessons that I learned from talking to you on this podcast every week, Tilly, you know, by speaking to you and seeking your counsel and talking things over with you, I become a better person. By being exposed to the managers who guide me in social work, I become a better person. By my colleagues and seeing what they do, how they live their lives and the lessons I learned from them, I become a better person. Most importantly, though, it's the clients that I support that help me be a better person. Not only, as I said, when I gave my first option about the first thing that I love about social work is the clients. Not only what I learn from them in terms of what they tell me directly, what I see of their lives, but the examples they set me. The examples of the clients that I support with and the people that help set me in terms of, well, if they can do this, I can. They're going through this, so how do I have the right to complain about petty issues in my own personal life? Why should I be getting annoyed about that when this is what people are going through? And it gives me a great context. It really does give me a great context because in the scheme of what the people I support at work go through, my bad days are never that bad. They're really not. And in the scheme of the hardship that the people I work with endure, my good days end up being really, really good because I've got the context. And I don't have that context in looking down upon people like, oh, bloody hell, I'm lucky I'm not them. It's not othering of people that does that. It's gratitude for my own life that does that. And if not for a social worker, I wouldn't have experienced that, Tilly. I wouldn't have that framing. I wouldn't have that grounding. I wouldn't have that context. So... 
the, the probably the most important thing that social work has done for me, you know, yes, it's, I learn a lot from clients and I've made great friends. I love the flexibility. I love the job security, but those are all kind of external things and external influences in a way. But social work has changed me internally. It's like I said earlier, if you were to take out everything that social work had given me and that I'd learned from my clients, I'd be half the man that I am today. And not only has social work made me a better person, but day by day, it makes me a better person. The experiences I've had just today as I was going about my work, um, assessing someone that I'll carry with me for the rest of my life that'll make me a better person. There'll be something tomorrow. There'll be something the day after. Every single day, I'll add a little bit of building block to my life that makes me a better person. And if not for social work, I wouldn't be on that same journey of self-improvement. I love that. What a list that we've come up with. Um, not too much crossover. Um, no, just the one. Bit, but, um, but yeah, I think that is a very solid list. And it's lovely to share these positive things about social work because it, it helps reinvigorate you and realise that, that when those days are tough and we're going through difficult decisions or you're going through, you're dealing with a tricky case or you're not sure what to do, actually the good outweighs the bad and that's yeah. what keeps us coming getting up in the morning and coming into work every day because it's what we love to do and that is what we do do um well listeners drop us a message uh with what you love about social work and we will read them out on next week's show just head on over to any of our social media channels for social work news you can also contact me via social work world you can find me and tilly on twitter or linkedin too um that's everything for me uh until next week it's goodbye from me and it's goodbye from me